0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says: When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly they came from heaven, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house. Where they were seated, divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. And the Bible says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In Verse 5, it says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Whenever you see the activity of the Holy Spirit, you'll also see the mockers. There'll always be mockers. Cannot try and sanitize the church up so that we never get mocked. Even on the day of Pentecost, there were mockers. For Peter, verse 14, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and he addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream, Dreams, Even on my male and female servants, in those days I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone, everyone, not just someone, not just a few... But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to speak today on the subject, I will pour out my spirit. I'll pour out my spirit. You know, our lives are filled with a collection of days. Some days we want to forget. Some days we don't remember at all because of the mundaneness of them. And then every now and then there are special days. There are unique days. There are days that come that are etched into our minds and our hearts. They mark us in special ways. Maybe one of those days, for those of you who are married, is the day you got engaged. I remember for Simone and I, it was her birthday. We jumped in a limousine and went into a restaurant in the city and we had dinner and then we went for a walk by the water and I proposed to her looking over the water and I even had mockers then, actually, if I remember rightly. People came and someone, all these bunch of bogans were yelling out something to us about, you know, are you asking her to marry her? And I'm like, yes, I am. And uh, none of your business. Can we please have our moment? And, um, and then I remember jumping in the car. Dad, My dad had dropped off uh, Simone's car uh, at the... Uh, car park and we drove around to our parents and told them the good news. A special day, I remember our wedding day, it was 43 degrees on our wedding day. And uh, after the ceremony in the afternoon uh, in Box Hill, we went and got some wedding photos and then we drove up to the reception centre in the Danny Nongs, I had a nap in the car. True story on the way up to the reception centre. It was a big day. And so, was anyone else's cheeks hurting on their wedding day from all the smiling that you did? You know, you needed to be put on an intravenous drip before the wedding reception just to get through the day. And uh, I remember the day that our kids were born vividly, each of them. I think Chelsea was like 14 hours of labour or something. And... And uh, so in the middle of the night, I'm there and, and uh, all of a sudden an unidentified flying object just flew across the room and landed in my chest. True story. I'm like, what, what, what have I done? She said, don't you dare fall asleep on me. You did this to me. And, uh, and I said, I was praying. She said, you were snoring. I said, I'm interceding with groans that only the Holy Spirit can interpret. Leave me alone. I'm doing my best here. And... Uh, And then I remember our second boy, uh, uh, our our, our second child, our first son, Zach, 45 minutes. It took 45 minutes. That was an experience. (laughs) And I was just watching. And and then Joshua and five hours. And I still remember each moment that I held our precious babies in our hands. I remember... The day I graduated from the police academy, I remember significant moments, but there is one day that will forever mark my life. It was the day I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. I was six years of age and I was in a small church, Salvation Army church, in the middle of the Nullarbor Desert. And my parents were pastoring that church for three years and one Sunday night after the message, I could not explain it other than I was compelled to go to the altar. And at six years of age, I knelt down and I lifted my hands and a man of God laid his hands upon my head and I got filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Out of my mouth came a new heavenly language and when you're six, you cannot fake it. It's either real or it's real. You don't know any different. All you know is you come to Him with childlike faith and He meets you right where you're at. It's a day that has marked me from that day to this day, all these years later, Pentecost Sunday. It's so important that we understand the significance of this day. Because 1,000 years before Pentecost, Joel the prophet prophesied that there was coming a day where he was going to pour out his Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters would prophesy. Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 20, says, In that day, speaking of this day, Pentecost, you will know that I will be in you and you in me. In John 16:23, Jesus said, In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will now be in you and will be your helper. Will be your counsellor, your intercessor. That will actually empower you to live the life that Christ has called us to. In John sixteen seven. Jesus says... It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the helper to you. Apparently, according to the Son of God, it's far better to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you than Jesus standing beside you. Now, when I read the Gospels, I'm like you. I read the Gospels and I'd love to be there the day that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead yeah. and he came out looking like a mummy yeah. with all the bandages and cloths. And I'd love to be there at that wedding day when he turned the water into wine and yeah. the day that he opened blind eyes with mud. And yeah. but, I, but apparently, according to Jesus... You and I, filled with the Holy Spirit, are far better off than if Jesus was standing beside us right here today. And so Joel's prophecy, thousands of years ago, and Jesus' words in the Gospels are fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived. What's so special about the day of Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is when the Father fulfilled his promise, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. See, Pentecost is a Jewish grain feast, it's a celebration of harvest time. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, there will be an activity of harvest. There'll be soul winning, there'll be lives being transformed. And what preceded the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was 10 days of fervent prayer in the upper room. We know that because of the context of Acts chapter 1. And then in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all gathered together in one place. What were they doing? They were engaged in prevailing prayer. They were praying, they were interceding, they were waiting to be clothed with power. You see, prayer brings Pentecost and Pentecost makes prayer effective for the will of God. You cannot have a move of the Spirit if you're not willing to pray. In fact, there is a direct correlation between our prayer life, our faith in prayer, our hunger and our thirst in prayer and the activity of the Spirit. You want more activity of the Spirit in your life? Increase your prayer life. There's something about petitioning and asking for God to move in your life that He's drawn to and attracted to. You keep asking, you'll bump into Him. We're a church of prayer. We're, We're people of prayer. We understand prayer fuels power. You can't have Pentecost without prayer and you can't have effective prayer without Pentecost. Into the upper room of prayer burst a spontaneous interruption of supernatural activity. The Bible characterises it through wind and fire. The Bible says suddenly there came from heaven a sound that they literally heard like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house so there was an immersion. But then suddenly there appeared to them visibly tongues of fire that appeared and rested on each one of them. I'm here to tell you today, the Holy Spirit isn't just supposed to be acknowledged. The Holy Spirit's supposed to be experienced. Visibly seen, visibly encountered, visibly experienced. The invisible presence of God in that upper room became a visible witness to everyone. You know, journalists reporting on... The Azusa Street Revival and outpouring of 1906 would have to prepare blocks away from the Azusa Street Mission because of the weightiness of God's presence. Such was the anointing, such was the sense of God's glory and His manifest presence and power that unsaved journalists would have to sort of gird their loins and prepare themselves and get ready to go into the presence of God. There was such a weightiness about what was happening. Oh, I pray and long for the days where the media and reporters aren't just reporting upon scandals in the church. But there's such a weightiness of God's glory. There's such a weightiness of God's power that that they have to prepare themselves to even dare start to write any note or reflection on what is going on in the church. You see, when the Holy Spirit manifests in the church, when the Holy Spirit manifests in your life, there will be tangible demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. Of all the miracles I've seen, when I saw the meanest, grumpiest, and most religious old man that I ever knew as a kid, all of a sudden get up and begin to dance like a crazy maniac when he got filled with the Holy Spirit... When we were singing, when the Spirit of the Lord gets in your heart, I'll dance like David danced. When I saw that happen, I'm like, this is real. Because there ain't no way that that dude in his religion and and comfort and meanness and grumpiness can, can do that if it isn't real. If this isn't the real Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, that dude was forever the frozen chosen, if you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and there is something about the Holy Spirit that tra- changes you. The Bible says where the Spirit is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. If there is no freedom or liberty in worship, then who, where's the Holy Spirit at work in your life? It's not a personality thing. It's an experience thing. It's a faith thing. It's an encounter thing. You see, the initial and essential sign of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. The Bible says that on the day of Pentecost in verse 4 through to verse 6, that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews. Devout men and women from every nation under heaven. And the Bible says at this sound, the sound of tongues, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were hearing the the gospel, the excellencies and the praises of God in their own native tongues. Just uh, two weeks ago at Numa South, Simone and I were there with some of our team, and we commissioned Pastor Stephen Candace as the new location pastors of New South. It was a wonderful service. And at the end of the service, I was introduced to a man by the name of Ray Garcia. And uh, it was his first time in church. And uh, he told me the story about how two weeks before, he'd been uh, talking to his wife, and he said to her, out loud, he professed that he said, we've got everything, we've got a beautiful house, we've got a beautiful family, we've got a great car, we've got a great job. He said, but I feel empty inside, something's missing. And so the next morning after having that conversation, he gets up and he starts to ask God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. I need you in my life. This was his story. Two weeks later, on a Sunday morning, he is coaching his son's soccer team at the soccer pitch opposite Numa South where they meet, that location. And at the end of the soccer game, he can hear the sound of music, which is the worship team. And he decides that he wants to come and check out what what this music is. He realises it's a church. He sends his wife and kids to the car and he says, I'm just gonna wait here a moment. He ends up staying the entire service. He hears the preaching of the word. He hears worship and he hears people, he says, speaking in a weird language. This is what he said. And he said, as they spoke in a weird language, they began to say my name in my native tongue, Ray Garcia, Ray Garcia. And he said, I was like, what's going on? And he said, I I felt like God was speaking to me and calling my name. And he said, then when you got to the end of your talk, He said, you're inviting people to put their hand up. He said, I had to stop everything within me from running down the front and getting on my knees and asking God to come into my life. And I said, well, would you like to pray now? And he said, I would. And with tears streaming down his face, he was led to the Lord right there in that moment at the end of that service. He said, I'm coming back next week and I'll bring my family next time. And the last I've heard, he's been there the last week or so. And I just want to tell you today, this thing called tongues of fire, this thing called the gift of the Holy Spirit is real. It's still changing people's lives just like it did at this sound, the multitude came together. It's no coincidence that the fastest growing churches on the planet are Pentecostal churches. You can argue it until you're blue in the face, but the stats, are, the scoreboard speaks for itself. The fastest growing churches all across the earth right now are Pentecostal churches. The largest churches in attendance in this country, I read the survey, it's Pentecostal churches. Why? Because there is a drawing capacity. There is a, an attraction factor. There's something about the person of the Holy Spirit. That wherever the Holy Spirit moves, lives are changed. Harvest of souls comes in. Why is Pentecost significant? Because at Pentecost, the church was baptized in power to be a witness to the world. What does Acts chapter one, verse eight says? It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, there's a change, there's a shift. I remember a few years ago, one day riding up Mount Painful. That's my name for every hill I climb up. Here we go, Mount Painful again. And I'm... Sweat's flying and my lungs are bursting and my quads are seizing up and I'm giving it everything. And here's this dude on an e-bike, a battery-charged bike, right? (laughs) little bit overweight, on a Sunday afternoon stroll, with a smile on his face, just admiring the tulips. And he's just tap, 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 tapping away past me. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. And so I resolved even more. I'm going to stick with this guy as long as I can. And so sweat's flying and my lungs are bursting and my quads are seizing up. And he's just tapping away. I'm giving everything. I'm, I'm bleeding, right? I'm just letting it all hang out. And he's, he's just tapping away. I want to tell somebody today, human effort cannot compete with Holy Spirit power. And some of us are trying to follow Jesus and we're sweating and our spiritual quads are seizing and our lungs are bursting and there's someone else who've got the chainsaw of heaven in their heart and they're just cutting through obstacles and all sorts of things. I want to tell you there is a difference when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. There is a before and after that every single one of us need to experience in our lives. Zechariah four six says it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by my spirit. Jesus knew that without the Helper, the Empowerer, the Illuminator, the Counselor, and the Divine Comforter, it's going to be impossible to follow Jesus. It's going to be impossible to fulfill the Great Commission. That's why he said in Luke twenty four forty nine to the disciples, "Don't you dare leave Jerusalem." Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power. In other words, don't leave home without him. Be better you just put your PJs on, get your your cup of tea, and sit and pray until you get that power rather than going and try and be on mission and change the world without him. It's too hard. See, before Pentecost, Simon, which means read, he was impulsive. He was blown about by every wind of doctrine and popular opinion. He had foot-in-mouth disease. He he would deny Jesus. He'd run away at the moment of testing and temptation. But after Pentecost... Simon became Peter the Rock, he was bold, he was empowered, he, he preached the gospel so much with such compulsion and unction of the Spirit that 3,000 people were added to their number upon that day. There is a before and after when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I mean even Captain America gets this, when, when Captain America was Steve Rogers before, he was a little dweeb, he, he had a good heart, but, but you know there, there wasn't much there. But when he got anointed, if you you know what I mean, and a few steroids. And, and, and he, he became the product of a CIA experiment, albeit marvels uh, imagination. He became Captain America. I'm here to tell somebody today there needs to be a before and there needs to be an after. You and I need to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the reason is, is because your individual fire is not just about you, it fuels the corporate fire of the church. Really good. Really good. And without the individual fire, there can be no corporate fire. Corporate fire doesn't just come when one of us is on fire for God. Corporate fire becomes a bonfire when all of us yeah. are filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Your fire is your responsibility. Yeah. I am not responsible for your fire. I'm responsible for my fire. I can equip you. I I can lead you to the river of living water. I can invite you to jump in and dip and taste and see that God's good. But you're going to have to dive in. You're going to have to stoke that fire in your spirit and in your life. Why is Pentecost so significant? Because at Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit brought a certainty of revelation to our understanding. This is something that I haven't heard a lot of preachers and teachers talk about when it relates to the person of the Holy Spirit. But it is so essential when it comes to the believer's assurance. Assurance and certainty. Not that just you've been saved, but when you read God's Word and it's illuminated to you that it's truth. And not just when you know that it's truth, but as you go out and step out in faith, there needs to come an assurance and a certainty that the Holy Spirit is with you. The Bible says in verse 12, it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. So there was misunderstanding of what was going on. And then in verse 14, Peter standing with the eleven, he lifts up his voice. He addresses them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Listen to this. Let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. Talk about boldness and certainty. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was uttered through the prophet Joel. I love it. You've got to think about this for a moment because Peter's a humble fisherman. He hasn't been to Bible college. He's been in the school of the Spirit for the last three and a half years. He walked with Jesus. He, he hasn't been trained by scholars. He's not a Pharisee. He hasn't memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. He, he has, he has not been, he's not a lawyer. He's not a scribe. Where did he get this knowledge? Where did he get this boldness, this certainty? i would tell you how. It's through the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Bible says that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 that we would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may know, know with certainty accuracy, with boldness, that we may know the hope to which we're called. In this day and age and hour, so many believers are vacillating, not real sure. Can we really trust the Word of God? Can we really believe? Can we really know? I want to tell you today, the Spirit-filled no. The Spirit-filled, no. There is a certainty. There is a boldness. Why? Because it comes through the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. John 16, 13, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. And Jesus said, you shall know this truth and this truth shall set you free. In John 14, 20, Jesus said, in that day, speaking of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you will know. What will you know? You'll know the truth. The Spirit-filled know. Not because of intellectual capacity. Not to diminish that. Not because of scholarly training. Not to diminish that. We need to be educated. We need to grow in an understanding of good doctrine and healthy theology. We're committed to God's Word as our foundation. But I'm telling you, there is an anointing that comes upon your life that teaches you all things. 1 John 2.27 says, The anointing you receive from Him abides in you, and His anointing teaches you about all things. Psalm 42.7 says, Deep calls unto deep. The depths of the Spirit of God speaks to the depths, in the, uh, the mysteries of the Spirit of God into the depths of your being and of your spirit. There are some things that I never got taught, but when the Holy Spirit comes on me and communicates to me, Pentecost brings this pervasive light that illuminates the hidden things of God's Word and the mysteries of God's Word. And there is a certainty and a boldness and a knowledge that gets you to stand up before thousands of people mocking and say, this is that. This is that. In a day and an age where there's all sorts of philosophies and vain imaginations and peddlers of, of, of theories and, and, and hypotheses of how this world came into being and what is important and what is true and what is not, we need to know. It's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why is Pentecost so important for us today? It's important because we cannot follow Jesus effectively without the fullness of the Spirit. It is so hard to follow the commands of Jesus, the example of Jesus without His fullness, without His presence. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be fully immersed in the presence of God, is a distinct and definite experience to being born of the Spirit. When you are born of the Spirit, aka born again, your spirit, by faith, according to the truth of God's Word and the reality of the Holy Spirit, your spirit is regenerated. Before Christ, it was dead in sin. But you encounter Christ, you turn away from your sin, You believe in the person of Jesus. You confess your sins. Your spirit is now regenerated. You are now born in the spirit. You're born by the spirit. Your spirit is now alive. That's the first and important encounter that happened after Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says in John 20, He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It couldn't come until after the cross and after the empty tomb that they were saved. They were born of the Spirit. But then why would Jesus now say, if they'd already received it all, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Why would He say that? If there wasn't a subsequent, definite, distinct experience that every single believer must have and need. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19.2, the Bible says that Paul said to the disciples in Ephesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you first believed? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And the Bible says he laid his hands on them and he prayed over them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. This tells me you can be saved going to heaven but not filled with the Holy Spirit. You can have your ticket on the gospel train. You you can know in your heart that you're saved. Praise God. But I'm telling you there is an inheritance that is destined for every single believer. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said in Ephesians 5.18 Don't get drunk with much wine but be filled, immersed, sozzled with the Holy Spirit. Get completely drunk in the Holy Ghost. You need an encounter that'll mess you up and change you for good because without it, Christianity becomes religious. It becomes boring. Church is just another routine activity. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, it's the inheritance of every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there's right now in Australia, $1.5 billion of unclaimed inheritance and unclaimed insurance funds. And, And if that is a big amount in the natural, can you imagine in the church of Jesus Christ, how many unclaimed inheritances there are in the church for people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit? One baptism, many fillings. Every day my constant prayer is, God, fill me with your presence. Anoint me with fresh oil. We must never get away from the cross, the empty tomb and Pentecost. And the steps to fullness are the same for every believer. God is no respecter of persons. It begins with repentance, repent of sin, turn away from it. After Peter preached his bold message... The people were cut to the heart, the Bible says, and they said, what must we do? He said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, and you'll receive this gift. There's a turning away from sin, and then there is secondly, second step, ask in faith. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and receive in faith. God is drawn to faith. He's attracted to faith. You cannot expect to get anything from God without faith. Works cannot get something or earn something from God. You can work your way to your spiritual bone and not get anything from God. It's about faith. It's the spirit of faith that God is drawn to and attracted to. So we say, God, cleanse my heart. And now in faith, I'm asking I'm asking in faith for you to give me this gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the third step, you receive it. You receive that gift. You yield your mind. You don't overthink it. For many sort of believers in a Western context, let alone people in a rationalistic, scientific worldview culture. And all of those things are good. God gave you a brain to use. He's not asking you to leave your brain at the door when you come into the kingdom of God. That's right. We need our minds renewed. We need our minds sharpened. But, but if you're going to overcomplicate this and overthink this, that's why he says, only those with childlike faith can enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Yield your mind, yield your tongue, yield your body, yield your spirit, and say, "Here I am. That's right. I receive the gift." And as that beautiful, glorious encounter happens, then out of that you go and you obey whatever the Holy Spirit asks you to do. He asks you to go share your faith with your work colleague. Okay, let's go over latte. Share my faith. He asks you to give that financial gift into that mission endeavor. Okay, we're going to go do. He asks you to go and study at Newman College. Okay, we're going to go do that. He asks you to, to, to actually now step up and begin to learn how to be a leader and lead in the light. Okay, whatever the Holy Spirit asks you out of that encounter, you go do. Because it's not just about my experience, it's about my action and application. Out of that experience, I'm saved, I'm baptised in power to be a witness. You see, as wonderful as your current experience of the Holy Spirit may be, there's always more. I've learnt that Pentecost is available to everyone. Yes, thank you God, but it's only given to the thirsty soul. Hungry and thirsty is the posture. And if you can live without the Holy Spirit, you won't receive Him. He's a gentleman, He'll knock on your door. He'll lead you, He'll guide you to a point, but you've got to let Him in. He's drawn to hunger, He's drawn to thirst. If you're thirsty for Him, you'll experience Him. Jesus said, John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes out of his spirit will flow rivers of living water. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour.